I know some of you have a lot of expectations today. People come in and it's Easter Sunday, but uh, I don't know what week it is, uh, Preston. We're on something like week number 272 of our journey through the Gospel of Luke. And uh, guess what we're going to do? We're, oh, 700. My bad. My bad. And so uh, guess what we're going to do? We're going to keep on walking through Luke. But as God is the, the great protector, provider, the, the one who does, we are right where he needs us to be today. I've said it before. I've preached on Jesus's birth at Easter and Jesus's death at Christmas. Doesn't matter to me if that's where he has us. But today he does have us at his death and his resurrection. And so we're going to read. We're going to let the word of God speak to us. We're going to ignore the little preacher up there because he doesn't have anything to offer you in this life. But God, God does. And so that's where we're going to turn today. All right. Luke chapter 23, and we're starting in verse 44. And it was about noon. We're going back. The last two weeks, we've stepped back one, one passage. All right. And, and kind of restarted running into this week. Okay. So it was dark about noon. Darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. Now, for those of you who haven't been here, here's one of the things we've been talking about. The moment Jesus was about to be arrested and he didn't put up a fight and he didn't throw anything down and he didn't call down heaven and earth. He simply stuck out his hands and he said, okay, okay. The, 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 the kingdom that is not of heaven, okay, it erupted. They were, they were, they were thinking that we got him. All right, victory is ours. And, and Jesus with his full spirit would have said to them, hey, this is, this is your time. This is your time. I'm, I'm handing it to you. It's been ordained that you will have your time. And on the cross, when Jesus breathed his last, listen to me, literally in heaven and earth, the lights went out, okay? A literal darkness fell over the land. Satan had his moment. And from noon until three, it was dark and... During the darkness, during the moment that looked, felt, the, the universe saw defeat. The curtain was torn from the top down. That which separated us from our ability to find forgiveness in Christ, a place someone had to go for us in order for us to receive forgiveness was no longer there. The barrier was torn apart and it was torn from top to bottom. That was a 20 or 30 foot tall curtain, folks. No human hands tore that curtain. The sun stopped shining and the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And we had, when he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, said, surely this was a righteous man. What we have here from last week is the final piece of the puzzle. The governor said, I don't believe he's guilty. The head of the country said, I don't believe he's guilty. The head of the group of men tasked with his crucifixion said, I don't believe he's guilty. In fact, I believe he is who he says he is. And then all the people gathered to witness what took place and they beat their breasts and they went away. All right. All those who knew him, including the women who had followed from Galilee, stood at a distance and watched. They never left. They watched it unfold. I was listening to a, a, um, 
I don't know, I would call it a drama, an individual drama piece, a, a solo theatrical piece uh, on the end of Luke from Mary Magdalene. And the lady was playing it out and she kept over and over again saying, inside we knew. Yes, he was dead, but inside we knew. Yes, it was dark, but inside we, we just knew. Yes, there was no hope and the men had scattered, but inside we just knew. We didn't know what we were watching for, we just knew not to leave. Something was going to happen. We didn't know what, we just knew that it would. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and an upright man who had not consented to their actions. There was very few, when the trial went on, very few of the jury put their hands up and said, yes, we're in. All right, all of them wanted Jesus dead. But there were a few that stood, all right? And Joseph of Arimathea was one of them. And he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. And he went to Pilate and he said, may I have Jesus's body? He got consent from Pilate to take the body down, probably because he was still searching to understand, seeking to find the kingdom of God. What he had was the law. What he had was the commandments. And one of those commandments out of Deuteronomy said, don't, don't leave the body on the cross. Don't, don't leave a man hanging overnight. This is important because we've now gotten into evening, all right, and he doesn't want his body there. So between three and six, he gets judicial permission to pull Jesus's body off the cross to take him to an unused tomb, right? Which is prophetic and which is um, clean, ritualistically clean by the law set forth, all right? So he ends up in a pure and clean tomb prior to sundown, so he doesn't hang on the cross, and this is done prior to the Sabbath. Woo, okay, why is that important? Because what's supposed to happen now is the women are supposed to, all right, get the spices, get everything together, and do what we would call the embalming process. They were to prepare the body. Turns out the Hebrew word for prepare is the same as the word for Friday, because Friday was preparation day for the Sabbath, which is on Saturday. But now that six o'clock evening of Friday has hit, it is a officially Sabbath. So they can't go get spices because no place is open. They can't get the perfume because no place is open. And they can't travel far enough to get it because they're not allowed to work. So by Jewish law, Jesus gets what he needs, but the women can't get what they need. There's a reason they can't get what they need. Because if they could get what they need, they would have showed up at the tomb a day early. But because they had to wait a day because of the law and Jesus, yes, he's dead, but God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are going, it's coming, it's coming. It's coming and it's working out just as we said it would because they're following just what we said they should. The good, the bad, and the ugly all doing what Jesus needed them to do from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy thousands of years before this day took place. And so the women have to wait 24 hours and the first chance they get. Before the sun even came up, the Bible tells us, they're on their way. It was preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin. Super important. The women who had come with Jesus followed Joseph, saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. So they knew where he was. 
They went home and prepared everything and they rested on the Sabbath in obedience. Sorry, I got ahead of myself, but it just said what I said, okay? Now on the first day of the week, Sunday, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb and they found the stone rolled away. They found the stone rolled away. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I will never stop saying this phrase. When I was a freshman in college, I started reading Max Lucado and the first book I ever read that got me back into reading Christian things was He Still Moves Stones. And in that book, there is a chapter about the craziest thing ever and it affected me because I grew up in church. It affected me because I grew up doing religious things. I'm not talking about a religious church or religion, nothing bad, I'm glad for my upbringing. But he asked this question, why was the stone rolled away? They found the stone rolled away. Well, the obvious answer is the stone is rolled away so that Jesus can get out. <laughs> Except God don't need no help. He was not he was not in a really, really dark room behind a really, really big rock going, hey, um, hey, he's not, that didn't happen. The stone is gone because faithful women followed a faithful God and did the faithful thing. And when they arrived, stone was gone so they could see in. They and every faithful believer They did not find Jesus's body. And while they were questioning, while they were concerned, while they were scared, two men who gleamed like lightning stood with them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground and the angels said, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you seek someone in a tomb who is not in a tomb? Live people don't stay in tombs. He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you, the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinners, crucified and on the third day be raised again. And they remembered his words. And when they came back from the tomb, they told the 11 and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and some others were with them who told the apostles, listen to me, but they did not believe the women. Their words seemed like nonsense. They did not believe the women. Their, their words seemed like nonsense. I don't know about y'all, but I've run into a lot of people in this world who don't believe a word that's coming out of my mouth. And to them, it sounds like nonsense. There's a lot of people who know me and love me who don't agree with all the words that come out of my mouth and call them nonsense. I, I get it. But it's this that changes everything. The symbol of our faith the symbol of our faith has always been a cross. I would never take away the value of the cross, but we picked the wrong symbol. We picked the wrong symbol. It should look more like a hole. I, Paul didn't say, I believe in Jesus Christ and the power of his crucifixion. 
No, I believe in Jesus Christ and the power of what? His resurrection. And the problem is sometimes we don't believe till we experience. The stone was rolled away so that we could see in. One of my friends who's a pastor once said, a man asked me what it would take for me to deny Christ. What would it take for me to stop believing in Christianity and in Jesus? And that man said one thing, show me his body. You show me his body and I will turn away. That's it. Show me his body. I'm out. I'm not calling him out. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what happened. Tay and I were having an awesome conversation yesterday. Hey, we were just driving and I was like, are we just gonna sit here? And he's like, I don't know. So I just started asking questions. I said, your turn, my turn. Just like I did on the retreat. Your turn, my turn. Ask me whatever you want. His third question was, if you could make one change in the world, what, 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 what would it be? And my answer was quick. I said, I would find a way. I would find a way to communicate Jesus, him, the man Jesus, to everyone everywhere, that they might understand Jesus. And his response was, so you'd go the religious route. Totally, totally fine. But my response was, no, son. I went the all creation route. I went the all, you asked me how I changed the world. I went the world route. By him, all things were made. And apart from him, nothing that has been made has been made. He was with God in the beginning and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I didn't choose the religious thing. I chose everything. Nothing exists that is not his, not from him, not about him. Everything you live in, work in, breathe in, the calendar and the clocks that you used are based on him. I need the world to understand that... For Mary Magdalene, one word changed everything. Oh, it's not in Luke. But once she hears, you ready? She hears from the angels that he is risen. They leave to go tell. But in the other gospel, she goes back in. She goes back in. What's she looking for? And the bright men then ask her the question. And she turns to see what she thinks is a gardener and one word changes everything. He, the gardener, spoke her name. And when he spoke her name, she knew who he was. When he called her, one word changed everything. He is not dead. I, I don't need somebody to tell me. I know he's not dead. This changes everything. So the question of the morning is this. This is where Tay and I's conversation ended. He said to me, brilliantly, Dad, you've said to me before that for you, it's like black and white. This is the truth. Everything else is false. He said, but if I were in another religion, 
wouldn't I simply say, this is what I believe is truth and everything else is false? And I said, you know what, son, you are, that is a great question. So if you were a Buddhist, he said, yeah. I said, well, where's Buddha? I don't know, in a tomb? That's right. Where's, where's Muhammad? He did. Where's Joseph Smith? He did. Where's Jesus? This changes everything. That's it. I believe in Jesus Christ and the power of the resurrection. And here's what Francis Chan said this morning as I was watching a little video clip of him. Here's what he said. He started with this. I just didn't, I don't know why I didn't, but I just didn't feel it. it here's what he said. He said, before I talk about Easter, I need to ask you a question. He was sitting right outside the garden tomb. They were filming in Israel, right? Sitting right outside the garden tomb. And he pointed and he said, I need you to take a minute and I need you to decide if he's in there or he isn't. Steve, Wesley, Jason, Bill, Zoe, Chris, Sarah. I just need you to take a minute. Take as long as you need because this changes everything. Is he there? Because if he isn't, everything before, everything during, everything that is and everything that will be has already been spoken. The difference in what I believe and every other belief system has nothing to do with my intelligence, nothing to do with being a Baptist, nothing to do with any of you and nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the fact that Jesus Christ did everything he said he was going to do. Nobody's ever proven it wrong. Nobody's ever proven any of it false and it keeps coming true and it will always come true, period. Jesus is alive. That makes all the difference but it only, some of you are caught in between the angels telling you and God whispering your name. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? There's a difference. Somebody runs up to you and says, hey, I saw 14 angels. But if you see 14 angels, what do you do? Oh, right? That's why this whole Bible thing doesn't work. If one woman runs out of the tomb and says, I saw him, Jesus planned for that. He said, go tell them I'm on my way. And by the time she gets there, he shows up for the doubting Thomases of the world. Take a look, put your fingers in the holes if you need to. I'm back. Oh yeah. This changes. Where are you? Are you somewhere in between? I read something somewhere. Somebody once told me, and you and God sharing a name.
I want to pastor a church that believes he's alive. I want to pastor a church that knows that neither heights nor depth nor angels nor principalities nor powers of darkness, nothing can separate me from his love. I want to pastor a church who knows he's not dead. I want to pastor a church who lives through the darkness knowing that the light's on the other side. I want to pastor a church full of people who stand just far enough away to make sure they see because they believe something's getting ready to happen. I know it looks bad. I know it seems dark. I know it's horrifying. I know that everything we've worked for is gone right now, but he said he would. So I believe he will. I want to pastor that church. So is his body there or not? It'll change everything for you and your family too. Let's pray. God, move where we can't. Do the painful work of scraping away calluses. Do the hard work of yanking at hardened hearts. Do the hard work of, of, of crying out the bitterness. Do the hard work of suppressing the anger. Do the hard work of calling the unbelief out. And God, then do the hard work of waking us up in Jesus' name to a new life and a living God and let us walk with him and talk with him, make mistakes and be forgiven by him. Live in obedience, but continue in grace. We pray all of these things in Jesus name and amen. Just one thing, I know we got some visitors today and some folks that have been asking about this. I've been announcing it for three weeks. We, uh, oh, I thought I pushed the button. Oh, it's up there, good. We um, don't do uh, a lot of votes here. In fact, we never vote. And um, <clears throat> we just, we just